Happy Palm Sunday. Now, if, if you all had been in Florida, this had been in Florida, I had a good reason to fuss at you for not all of you cutting one of these down and bringing it to church and doing this, yes? Okay, you'll do that next time. Every, next year, every one of you will have one of these and you'll all come in waving palm branches and being excited. <laughs> I didn't hear kind of a big choir of, yes! There we go. Good to see you all and, and good to be here. I, I'm going to keep this. I may need that. I may need that. Um, it is good to be here. My name is Previn Vong. I'm the pastor here during the uh, interim period. And it is such a joy to meet with you here. And those of, uh, of you who are joining also uh, via different kind of streaming media, welcome here. This is a special time. Of course, uh, this week is extraordinary special for those who are um, only thinking in football terms. I know there are people like that, right? Next Sunday is the Super Bowl in the Christian calendar. It just is. And, and so uh, even if you think, you know, I don't know when I should really begin to come be back in part full-blown in the church. Now, uh, what's better day than the Super Bowl Sunday. So it's good to be here uh, when it comes to this, right? And so let me just begin by saying that Palm Sunday, more than anything else, is a Sunday of anticipation. It, it is almost like we can feel it in the air. It, it ought to be that we have this kind of buzzing sense of something very exciting is coming. I'm going to see if I can bring you back to that uh, day, that first day we call that triumphal, uh, triumphant entry, uh, and, and just see if you can feel it. If you can get yourself there in your mind and sense the excitement and all that's going on, I think it would help you. There's just something about this day that is extraordinary. Imagine this. Uh, all of Israel have been waiting for a long time uh, that, that God would do what he had promised in the scriptures that he would do, that he would set his people free. They had been under bondage for a long time, all the way back from 586 years before Christ. Uh, they were taken captive into Babylon. And then, you know, they were allowed back to the land uh, by the Persians that followed that. But they were still not free. They were under their bondage. And then came Alexander the Great and, and, and the, the Greek, uh, Greco-Romo, the Greek kind of empire that, that dealt with that over years. They had a short little window of, of freedom after a revolt. And then Romans came. And, and they'd just been under bondage for so long. It was, you know, everything was, can you feel that? Kind of, if you can get there, and everybody was talking about this, what's going on, it's, it's like a spring that you are pushing back, and the minute you release it, it all kind of energy is let loose, or, or some kind of, you know, uh, bow and arrow, and you have pulled it as far out as you can, and you let go, and, and that's the kind of energy that is being released now. As they come... And as they do, what they knew was be going to be somewhat of a messianic event. You know, the same kind of description as what we have of what would happen in the new world. 
Right? When Jesus come back and, and, and in the Revelation, in the book of Revelation chapter 7, it says like this. After this, I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people and language, which no one could count. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Yes? That's the kind of atmosphere uh, we find here. And so I want to talk to you in this series that we have had about for life. When we are talking about how this means not just for the duration of life, but for the creation of life and for the sake of life itself. Anticipation is special. There's something going on when we sense that anticipation. If I can't get that uh, into your heart in any kind of way, I'm going to ask you to spend some time praying the Lord will, the Lord will fill you again with a renewed, fresh, invigorating, life-giving kind of anticipation. Just think of it, just think of it, uh, this way, right? Uh, anticipation in the true sense of that word is like having a, having a foretaste. It, it is, experience hope in such a way it almost feel like it's here it's not just that i hope it will come but it, it feels so real already it's like realizing in advance if you will and so that's what we see here right so we regard this as likely to happen it is as if it already has same language paul uses when he's talking about creation there's longing anticipating, eagerly awaiting the coming of the children of God. So you have this kind of a same language, and that's the background with which we are reading this. You say, why is it that everybody suddenly turns around toward this peasant uh, Jew and, and then waving palm branches and cutting, cutting things down and throwing their coats and their stuff in front of it? Well, there was that kind of anticipation. When they approached Jerusalem, it's chapter 21 of Matthew. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses. When they approached uh, Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, says that the Lord, say that the Lord needs them, and he will uh, send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken uh, through the prophet might be fulfilled. And here it comes. Tell the daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and his foal, uh, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes uh, on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And the crowds uh, who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth 
in Galilee. I hope we kind of capture this event, not just with our minds, but maybe even emotionally. We're talking about the kind of anticipation that you might find in the heart of a child on Christmas Eve, right? Yes? You know how that is, right? Or a young couple that, that, that morning before the wedding is coming in the afternoon or, or, or when this child is right there ready to be born and we can continue to give these kind of moments of extraordinary anticipation and excitement. They had looked forward to this in a very long time. And you know what happens when you really look forward to something for a long time. You kind of begin to think, huh, it's probably going to be like this. Your anticipation to what God might do or that he will show himself turns into an expectation that says, this is what God will do. And before we know it, we get to this point where we can, we can confuse an expectation with what anticipation is. And all of a sudden, instead of looking forward to saying, what might God do according to his promise? Or what would that look like? We need to stay close so we see what God does. We begin to anticipate and say, God's going to do these things. And then when he shows up and he does other things, we say, well, we anticipated that. And we confused anticipation with expectation don't do this and you see it in so many ways right I, I read an article a while back and I've experienced this so many so many times even when I do counseling with with young couples and and they get married and then they come back and say, well I kind of expected marriage would be different than that because I had all these expectations of my spouse instead of realizing that what happens is that the marriage itself is a shaping institution. You come in anticipating what might God do with us together, through us, among us, and from us as we yield ourselves to him. You've seen the difference between just expectation set that brings disappointment if it doesn't happen in the way that we have foreseen as opposed to anticipating the word of God and living in that excitement of what that might look like as we give ourselves to him. And that is a little bit the exact same way it happened here on that first day we call the triumphal entry or now Palm Sunday. People have had very specific now expectation to what Jesus should do as the king. He had to be king in Jerusalem and he fit the bill. Can you imagine anyone fitting the bill better than Jesus? If they got hungry and the whole people were struggling, he just needed a few fish and some loaves and he would feed them all. If they had any kind of pandemic or any kind of illness, what would he do? In the name of me, be healed. No one could fit the bill better than that, even in terms of his power, 
right? The one who can still the storm by a mere word, he doesn't have to fear some kind of army coming from somewhere. He fit the bill and they wanted him to be that kind of king in Jerusalem. But I want to say to you this morning, whether you're sitting at home or wherever you are, actually what time you listen to this, or all of us who are here at the beginning of this very special week that is the centerpiece of the Christian story really here, that Palm Sunday is a reminder for us not to confuse our own little small expectations with the anticipation that comes from just yielding to God and his promises. This, this time, uh, this Palm Sunday will, will talk to us about the importance of, of leaning into the anticipation and not getting confused like this. It, it talks to us about the reality that, that our expectation always are too small compared to God's vision for what he wants to do. And it talks to us about the joy that flows when you have seen this is about anticipating God's promises coming through. May I, may I encourage you here and just say, say like this and say, instead of looking for God to do what you want him to do, to just answer your little prayer or whatever that might be, start praying that he will reveal to you and to us what his will is that we may be able to join him in his work. You know, the problem with our expectation is that they tend to be small and selfish and narrow and local and God just do this for me and God's vision is so much grander and larger. So it's important really when you look at this to meet life with anticipation. We are anticipating for the sake of life. No, the Jews, here, they, they were on their way to Jerusalem on this first Palm Sunday. And they expected that Jesus would do just be, become just a regular king. They thought he would be a mighty ruler just like David had been a thousand years earlier. They had told stories about this. They knew about this. These were the days when we were grand. And so that's what they wanted experience again is that not often the case with us we remember the times when things were great or were they just great for me it doesn't matter I want those times back the days that were great for me yes and we look for that and we suddenly we've confused the vision that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh to let us just go back to what was good. For me, they, they anticipated a regular king for a regular kingdom. And as you look at this text, you will see and just contemplate a little bit what, what, what happens with this. You know, a, a regular king also has a regular kingdom and a regular kingdom has regular borders. It's limited. In every which way. 
That's just how it works, right? And so, first and foremost, when you think about this, a regular king, or for that matter, a president, if you want to go that, they have rule and reign in a certain area. People outside that area, they belong to other kings and to other presidents, if you will. Uh, they, they live in, in a different way. Jesus had no desire to just be king of Israel. He wanted to be king of all people everywhere. Not just limited to that geographical. He, his vision was so great that it would even include some place across the world, across the centuries, called Louisville, Texas. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. If he had been king of Israel just then, we would not have been here today, friends. It's such power when you start looking at that. A, a real king, a regular king does not have real kingship power around the globe, if you will, and for all people. But there are other other. Limits, right? When you talk about a regular king, right? A regular king only has limited power. It is a certain region, as we have already mentioned, where that, where that power is at work. We sometimes do that too, don't we? And I don't want to just spiritualize the text, but it, it's hard to, to escape this, right? They, they wanted certain things, and, and here are the limits of, of what that would bring if, if that was a real, a regular, I mean, king. We sometimes allow him to be, be king of certain areas, but we log off or blog off other areas of your life. But Jesus has no desire to have a power that is limited to just certain people in certain areas of these people's lives. He wants to be Lord of all people and all areas of life. And that's the anticipation that comes in. The vision. God has promised that he would be with me all the time, in every way, pouring out his grace, showing his love, not just to me, but even to the neighbors, even to those who are outside my area, those that I just meet every so often, those that are not part of my world, so to speak. He wants to be king of all. Because of that, we can share his good word with all, knowing that that's the vision. It's not just our little expectation for what we ourselves might need. May I dwell on this a little bit more and just say, say one thing more about this, right? A, a regular king can only have influence on the externals, the external circumstances of people's lives. They, they are in charge of, of social stuff, of financial, economical stuff, that's it. But Jesus does not want to just be king of, of external realities of people's life. He wants to help people with that which is within, that which make you, you. 
That's where he is with this. He has no intent or no interest in just being a kind of a, a genie of sorts that will answer some prayers. Lord, give me this. He wants to be the one who transforms your life, not just fills your life with stuff you may want. This is quite uh, important when we look at this here, right? He desires to be there when your thoughts are swirling around one thing. He wants to be there when your life is filled with fear. He wants to be there when you're frustrated and you can't figure things out. He wants to be there when you get angry because someone says something they shouldn't have said. He wants to be there when you feel all goosey-woosey in love with things. He wants to be there in every aspect, not just have control over some things. You see, when you just want him to be king of Jerusalem, you're missing the vision of God. And it's so easy to get there. We understand that that is just how it so often works. You know, some people very often have certain expectations And that's pretty much it. They want to be related to Jesus, but not for him to be Lord of things that really don't pertain, quote unquote, you know what I'm saying when I say that, to Jerusalem. So this Palm Sunday, we're seeing here that his, his work is always greater than our greatest expectations. Even when we think we have great thoughts about Jesus and his capacity and his power and his reign like we sang about earlier, they're usually small visions. The Israelites here thought that if he would just become king of Jerusalem again, the goal had been reached. Today, some of us may be thinking if he would just do this and that, that would show me his power and I'll be much more empowered to serve him. Others may think that if he just helps me whenever I pray, I'll take care of the rest. After all, as we know, right, God helps those who help themselves, right? No, that's bad theology, right? God is not just looking out to help with a crutch for those things that we can't do ourselves, right? We, we understand. But there's some that, that want to live like that. Jesus is not buying into that. Other becomes disappointed because he, he's now revealing to them as they yield to him that lordship of Christ, his kingship, if you will, requires very much a different reality than what we had thought. Ahead of time. So, so can we again, can we try and instead to find the anticipation that creates life, a kind of anticipation that instead of saying, I expect this and that will happen, say, Lord, I long with eager anticipation to see what you would do and how my life will be shaped as I yield. To you. That's the kind of king Jesus wanted to be, even, even as he was riding into Jerusalem. And there's enormous power 
in recognizing that his power cannot be limited to our small expectations like this. He's not interested in our little castles wherever they may be or even just in the way that we want him to be Lord. The only thing we know for sure, friends, is that he is the sovereign God over all, the one through whom all the creation happened, also has the power, all the power in heaven and on earth. Are we getting this? Just think of this. How, how weird is this? Right? He tells some disciples, go into this village and take a donkey. They come in there and here it is, just right where he said it was. And then he said, if someone asks you, why are you taking that? It's mine. He said, just say the Lord needs it. And what do they say? Okay. Just like he anticipated. He is Lord of all of history, right? Let us not miss that point. It is so easy to kind of get into the other. There's a fantastic illustration on that in Genesis chapter 18. One of the true giants, what we even call the father of faith in his learning process, if you will. He had heard God say in chapter 12 of Genesis that I will bless you and from you will come a people that is too big to count. Many as the stars in the sky and the sand of the sand. And then that is repeated in chapter 15. But nothing seemed to happen. So what happens? Well, he gets with, with Sarah and said, you know, what are we going to do about this? And they agree that one of her maids can be the mom of a kid so they can get this thing started. And then comes chapter 18. And three people visits. And now it's way beyond the time for normal childbirth. Sarah probably was 90 years old. And he said, you'll be with child in a year. And from that, it's all going to happen. He learned a lesson. Yes, his all little expectation of how that must, must happen messed things up. Yes. To see the power of this, we can learn some of what's going on with this. It'll be an incredible lesson to learn. 500 years earlier, Zechariah had prophesied that this would happen at this moment. It's just strong when you look at it. But it moves on. And I wanted to kind of end with this and just notice here the power of joy that flows, this excitement, even though they had kind of somewhat tried to limit what God was going to do uh, with their expectation, it was still the reality that joy flowed from the anticipation that God would do something. That's always the case. When you anticipate things from God, joy will flow. And I can sometimes always uh, uh, even use that as a measure. The lower the anticipation, the lower the joy and vice versa. When you see what we just read from Revelation or, or listen to what the anticipations are toward what will happen. 
when I stand before the Lord and, and I hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That creates a joy and an anticipation even in life right now. When that evaporates, there's not so much left. Sometimes, I want to say that, and I say it with all the, just all the heart I know to have on this because it's reality for all of us, right? When, when expectations take over, disappointments often flow. But when anticipation takes over, joy flows. And it's so easy to confuse these little things. I mean, because we are filled with small, narrow, my world type expectations. But this week, Holy Week, all the whole Easter season, if you will, if it does anything, it tells you how things are connected. The, what we experience here and discover is that there's always a cross before glory. If you want to desire or to experience Jesus' resurrection power, you must live a life that is willing even to pick up your cross and follow him. These things always go that way. That's why we see this whole week as we, we see the expectation right now, the excitement right now, and how that then comes to real lows before we see the explosion of joy and light next Sunday. There's just something going on with this. There's an inner transformation. Memo must come before. It's true on all levels, and we know it. So many people want to see political transformation. I'm here to tell you that what we learn from that is there will be no political, tr- political transformation until there's been a spiritual transformation in people. We hear this, there will be no political transformation among people until we've seen the, seen the spiritual transformation within people. That's what we learn from this text. And it's so strong. And I want you to just see how that calls us out to announce the king coming of the kingdom of God and how he will rule in our hearts. Just think of it this way. Who's the strongest? The, the butchers, if you will, or the, the executioners and the soldiers who captured Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, or Jesus who steps forward and says, I'm here, take me, and let the others go. Who who is the strongest? Pilate, who against his conviction and in contrast with his own conscience, give in to the pressure of the Jews and, and hand over Jesus to be crucified, or Jesus, when he stands before Pilate and says, I have the power to give my life. And I have the power to take it back. Who is the strongest? That, that high council, if you will, of the Jewish Sanhedrin who sits comfortably in some room in Jerusalem and plan the next point uh, on the agenda? Or Jesus who struggles on the cross fighting the evil powers that they may be destroyed and your salvation may be made possible? Who is the strongest? 
Listen to this, friends. Who is the strongest even in your life? The one who will just fulfill your temporary desires. Or the one who will fill your life with joy everlasting. Who is the strongest? The one who will just give you a couple of things that you ask for. Or the one who has the power to transform your very being. If there's a message that is powerful, go home again and read this message from the triumphal entry. So much to be said. Jesus wants to be your king and want to gra- wants you to grasp his vision, not just for your little world, but for his world. Yes? Can that happen right here? That we are filled with that kind of enthusiasm, for lack of a better word, that kind of anticipation that we are really able to join that choir that were waving their palm branches and throwing their coats in front of him and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe I can end by just a simple little quote. You know, we all know about Jeremiah 29, 11, and those of you who don't, go home and read it. And when you open it up, you have probably heard someone say it if you haven't ever read it yourself. We tend to just read that. I know the plans I have for you. Plan the future and hope. Just to shorten it up. What we don't read often is what follows. So I will give you future and hope, and you will call me And come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you. Can we capture that kind of vision? Which is God's vision. Even on a Sunday. We will celebrate that he comes riding into our lives. As a king on a donkey, which in the ancient world is an announcement of peace and joy. Father, would you speak to us even now? So much is going on in the world right now that we, we can't seem to put it together. It's, it's just... Too much, Father. We, we have to yield to, to our conviction that you indeed are Lord. But, Father, in the midst of all that, I ask that you'll allow this first triumphal entry, Palm Sunday of 2022, that first day of the Holy Week to impact us with the kind of power that is not just saying, oh, he does this and that. The kind of power that moves us, transforms our inner being, that we can live in that anticipation that says, I want to be living in the joy of the Lord. I want to know 
what it means to be where he is when he says, I will be with you. You will know my grace and you will see my vision just as I've revealed it to you through my son, Jesus Christ. May that happen. There are some here this morning, Father, that, that does not know what, what that even means. That that sounds like goobly goob. Give them boldness to ask. Come forward, pray. Ask someone in the pew that have known you for a while. There's someone at home that senses the same. Give them boldness to give us a call. Brother, we just want to be your hands. And we ask that you protect us also. Whenever we give in to that urge, that desire, to just look out for our own expectation rather than to point to who you are and what you want to do in this world. Amen. And amen. Let's stand, friends. Spend this time praying. If you're at home, you know, you can kneel on by your chair or, or sit where you sit, maybe lay on the floor, whatever God calls you to do. Let's deal with God right now.